Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. This week we learn about the church at Philadelphia, a church the Lord Jesus Christ deeply loves, as we see by the identifiers he chooses. Once again, we have a letter where the recipient church does not receive any type of correction. Instead, Jesus tells them to hang on and then makes them a special promise. Let's dive into the church at Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. How wonderful and amazing it is that Jesus is holy and he is true. But true to what exactly? Throughout his ministry, Jesus remained true to his mission, true to his father, and true to those for whom he was sacrificed. Let's take a look at each of these. First, Jesus' mission. Before God created the original heavens and earth, before earth was without form, even before darkness and light, and prior to the Spirit hovering over the waters, the Son of God, His Helper, Holy Spirit, and the Father God were planning the Lord Jesus Christ's mission. The Holy Trinity knew before they created the heavens and earth the first time that their highest and most beloved future creation, man, would choose against them in the Garden of Eden. Yet they did not hesitate. They did not question. And they did not falter, even for one tiny moment, to prepare the way of salvation for all of humanity. They were preparing to create man in their image, and regardless of what mankind did, they wanted humanity with them forever. Jesus' mission, from before the beginning of time, as we understand it, was to sacrifice himself so that he could reclaim back to himself the deed to earth, and in doing so, that he would once again lay claim to all who dwell upon it, specifically mankind. Second, the Son of God remained true to his Father. Repeatedly throughout the New Testament, we witness events that easily could have pulled Jesus away, or apart, from his Father's will for Jesus' earthly life. Yet, the Son of God, as the Son of Man, never allowed this to occur. Jesus remained true during the worst possible testing through temptation from Satan, by using Scripture as his defense, and Satan fled from the Word. Jesus remained true, deep in the night, in that place called Gethsemane, as he sweated blood, knowing the anguish and torture he was about to endure. And, while Jesus hung on the cross, made from a tree high upon a hill that he created, he remained true to his Father, even when his father turned away from him because Jesus had taken all the sins of the world upon himself. Jesus died with the sins of the entire world within him, thus presenting sinlessness to all who choose him. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ remained true to his father and rose up from that grave, thus removing forever the power of eternal death and separation from God 
all of this according to his mission of salvation, redemption, justification, and sanctification for humanity. Thirdly, Jesus has remained true to those for whom he was sacrificed. And now this very day, Jesus remains true to those people who seek and choose him as their Lord and Savior. The Son of God is as faithful to his beloved believers today as he was on the day he and Holy Spirit and Father God planned Jesus' mission. Jesus is as faithful to his beloved believers today as he was during those horrible 40 days of satanic temptation. Christ is as faithful to his beloved believers today as he was when he was sweating blood in Gethsemane. And the mighty Lord Jesus Christ is as faithful to his beloved believers today as he was when he allowed himself to be sacrificed for us so we could be saved, redeemed, justified and sanctified in him to meet the Lord God's requirements for everlasting perfection. The Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and true to anyone who chooses him, for they shall forever be with him in eternity. Amen and amen. So, what about this key of David that opens and shuts? This identifier is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, verses 20 through 22, where God sends the prophet to warn the treasurer that his days of service are limited because of his pride and ego. God replaces this treasurer with another man. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. This key allows the wearer the power to determine who can gain access to the king. Of course, Eliakim is long dead, but the Lord Jesus Christ has this key because no one can come to the Father except through him, and no one can reverse this fact, meaning no one can shut the way to the Father that Jesus has opened, and no one can open the way to the Father that Jesus has shut. This is a remarkably powerful statement of Jesus' true identity as the son of David, as the king of David, as David's heir, and as David's father. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8 continues. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. The church in Philadelphia had suffered many losses. Jesus lets them know that he understands firsthand their grief in doing his missionary work. All that is before them now is an open door to the Lord God. They have been perfected. They have been holy and true to him. And despite having little strength left, this church shared Jesus' word of the gospel of the good news. They never denied his name despite heavy persecution, and the Lord Jesus Christ promises that no one will take away what he provides for them. Well, what exactly is Jesus providing? We read the answer in verse 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan 
who say they are Jews and are not, but lie? Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Once again, Jesus references the son of the devil, the Pharisees and Sadducees, who claim they are God's chosen Jews, but are not. All the lying synagogue priests will one day be called forward by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will make them worship those whom they have persecuted and martyred. Jesus will show these evil men how much he loves his true, chosen, beloved believers. For you see, not all Jews who claim to be God's chosen people actually are God's chosen people. Then, in verses 10 and 11, Jesus declares what he will do for those who persevere through persecution. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. Oh boy, this is an enormous proclamation to the Lord Jesus Christ's Latter-day believers who persevere through the difficulties of an ever-changing and evil world and to keep their eyes upon him who is faithful and true. They are to refuse all false doctrine and maintain what the Lord God faithfully claims in his word. The world is being pummeled with falsehoods and lies and ever-present evil from all quarters. And yet, according to this verse, there will be a time period, an hour, upon which a trial shall come that will test all the people who dwell on earth. Jesus promises to remove his beloved believers prior to this testing trial, and he warns that he will come quickly to remove them. Believers are to hold tightly to Jesus' truth so that their rewards will not be taken from them. Jesus finishes his letter to the church at Philadelphia with another promise for his overcomers. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Oh, glorious day to be with Jesus in his upcoming millennial kingdom temple, never to leave his side. Wow. Not only that, but to be permanently addressed by three separate names. First, to be marked with the holy name of God. Second, identified by the new holy city Jerusalem, which will be in the kingdom of God after the millennial kingdom. This is a promise of being marked for God for all eternity. And finally, being given the same new name Jesus gives himself when he arrives upon earth the second time. <laughs> wow. And in verse 13, we hear the familiar closing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Remember, these promises written to seven churches by the Lord Jesus Christ are directed toward everyone who has chosen the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. These promises are for those saved who work toward their overcoming, toward their sanctification works that are provided through the Holy Spirit and which are God's will for each believer. These are wonderful and mighty and powerful promises from the Son of God who came to earth as the Son of Man. And sometime in the future, it is this same man, the Son of Adam, who will redeem the title to earth.
And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper, personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much. And so do we. Until next week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.